3: Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions
2: apply.
1: It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help, even just a little bit, won't you let me try? Right now, um, I'm excited to be able to spend a lot of time with my family, you know, no more 3 a.m. nights, uh, long flights, being told what to wear, where to be, uh, what what to eat, you know, I I think uh, the freedom for a little bit, it'll be nice, but Obviously, that'll wear off. I'll want to get back into hockey for sure. Um, what that's going to be, I don't know, but I do know I love this city. My family loves this city, and we will be in and out of this city for years to come. Uh, so I look forward to that. Um, it's not a goodbye. No, it's uh, I'm going to be around. You're going to see this awesome face. You're going to hear this awesome voice uh, a lot more. So. Appreciate you guys supporting me and and congratulating me on a career, but my life isn't over. I I got a lot more to live.
3: Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. This awesome voice is Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. I'm joined by another awesome voice, Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. (laughs) Now, we're going to get into Andrew Shaw's uh, quote-unquote retirement in a minute. We're going to talk about the Blackhawks' uh, 2.8%, I think, is the latest I saw for a uh, playoff percentage odds. Uh, but first, I want to ask you something, Scott. I always like yep. asking about your your hockey history because I know <laughs> hockey didn't exist for you before 2013. Where were you 10 years ago tonight, April 26th? Do you remember? I'm guessing uh, you were not watching Game 7 of Canucks-Blackhawks.
4: I actually I think I was oh yeah i was at a uh at a bar uh with a buddy and it was yeah it was a reason to go out i think and it, yeah it, i think we we're going out regardless but yeah we we ended up watching <laughs> that game and then um yeah i i don't remember watching a lot of the 2010 stanley cup like i don't yeah i don't i don't even know i was in chicago but yeah I, don't, I, I honestly don't recall like going out for that but for some reason i do recall that 2011 and then um yeah, the, you know the fact that they had uh, they had come back in that series, and you know I, I didn't you know I didn't know much about the Blackhawks, I didn't know much about the context, but um, yeah, I do. I actually I was out for that game. Strange enough, like if you asked me about the 2010, like <laughs> I, I couldn't have told you where I was or if I even watched it, um, but that 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 I did. I remember I was in my office. I was the sports
3: editor at the Post-Tribune in Northwest Indiana. So I was in our Merrillville office. I had a TV in my room, my office, uh, the only, really only TV that, that was on. So everybody was kind of crowding around my desk watching the overtime. And I just remember thinking, I just I don't care who scores. Someone better score because we're coming up on deadline. I wasn't a fan. Uh, I was excited when they won the cup in 2010 because people wanted to talk about hockey in Chicago. I was excited about that as a as a hockey fan. But that night, I just wanted somebody to score. And there were a lot of F-bombs all around me while I was like fist pumping under the desk, just like. Oh, good. We're going to beat deadline now. Thank God somebody scored early because I was worried it was going to be one of those quadruple overtime games that kept me in the office till two in the morning. You know,
4: what I do recall is that I was with my buddy Marty uh, and he uh I've been covering I was covering high school, high schools and colleges at the time. And he he dared me to tweet something about how th- this was still uh, a failure for the Blackhawks, the fact that they came <laughs> back and stuff. And then I remember getting up like, I, you know, this I was still new to Twitter and this is when I was a lot more uh yeah bold and, and willing to tweet whatever and, and you know like actually cared about twitter and and i just remember everyone tweeting back at me that i should stick to high, high school sports <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you told me then that i am where i am now like i would have told you you're fucking insane so um oh, yeah, it's I funny it, it,
3: it's 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 that, that 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 series was was that might have been the most uh, engaging of all the series the Blackhawks played. That was a, that was because 3 0, you didn't come back from 3 0, then. That didn't happen. I mean, the Red Sox had done it in 04 or whatever, but I think the last time it had happened in hockey was like the 75 Islanders. So it was a big deal. Now it's happened a couple of times since. I think the Kings did it to the Sharks and uh, the Golden Knights also did it to the Sharks, if I remember right. Um, so it, it happens, but back then it was like, oh my God, they're actually going to do this. And I, if, and again, my memory is hazy, so forgive me if I'm wrong here. I think Jonathan Taves scored like late in that game, just to get it to overtime in Game Seven, and you know Vancouver was, you know, that whole city's asshole was puckering because it was, oh my god, it was going to happen again. This was their best team, their best chance to slay the dragon, as they said. And then Chris Campoli with that turnover, and uh, and 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 they won, and they they, they went up losing, of course, to to Boston in the Stanley Cup final. That was the riots and all that, but. um, I, 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 Hawks fans can take solace in that. That was probably like the best moment in most Canucks fans' lives <laughs> was a first round victory over a not that great Blackhawks team that had lost half of its personnel from the Stanley Cup the previous year. So, uh, take solace in that. that that's that's that's
4: how much wrote a story around around that. It, it was
3: great. He did an oral history. He talked to a bunch of Blackhawks for it too. That you know, it, it's 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 always fun when you have to talk to the losing team for a thing like that. But it was a really good story. You should go and read it. But you know, that's. If that's the banner Vancouver's had, I think Chicago's did okay for itself.
4: Yeah, I have to go back and see if I can find that uh, the 2011 tweet. See if it still exists or not. I, I wasn't think.
3: even tweeting in 2011. I was. I think I was on Twitter, but just using it to like follow news and comedians. Basically, I didn't like, start. Look t- at my, you now. I know. Now I won't shut up. My, <laughs> my first tweet ever was uh, I got to the, I got I was covering the Super Bowl in 2012, the Giants uh, Patriots rematch Super Bowl. And, uh, I got there like five hours ahead of time because they said security was going to be a nightmare and I was so bored that I started tweeting. So my, my first tweet ever is like, you are looking live, like doing like the, the Brent Musburger thing for Lucas Oil Stadium <laughs> <laughs> for like my seven followers back then. Um, so yeah, so we, we, we were expecting a couple of easy days here. You and I had our week, a week planned in terms of what we were writing and everything. And then, uh, Andrew Shaw announced his quote unquote retirement. Like We have to say that way because like Brent Seabrook, he's not technically retiring. He's not filing retirement papers, so there won't be any uh, cap recapture or any kind of punishment for the Blackhawks, but uh, he's not playing hockey ever again. Um, I don't think any of us are surprised by this. Um, I think if anything, you and I are probably happy for him, because we were kind of worried he would try to come back again just because of his nature and his competitiveness, but uh, a guy who said he doesn't even know how many concussions he's had, I think it's, it's, it's for the best that he's stepped away.
4: Yeah. And I wrote about that today, too. It was just uh, like there's, uh, it's Andrew Shaw was a success story, right? Like he was this guy who went undrafted and, you know, be, you know, for two years and the Hawks take him in the fifth round. And within a year, he's in the NHL and he's then he's winning two cups. Um, And then there's just the, there's the concussion part, too, where it just it's. Uh, like the fact that he came back this last time, like it was, he was risking a lot. And you know, when he suffered another concussion and the fact that he's retiring now, it's not a surprise. Like it's, um, yeah, like he should have probably not come back this last time. And it was scary. You know, like it was some of the stuff he was saying, just, you know, one, not knowing how many concussions you've had and, you know, saying it's a lot and, and more than he should probably have. And then saying, you know, stuff like his, his wife used to enjoy watching him fight and now she's terrified. And, and then him also knowing that he even this last time like he you know he was all about you know i'm gonna play a different way and i'm not gonna wear the uh um what the even the um the the visor Visor. and then and then you know then he 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 took it off because he couldn't you know he was bothered by it and then he suffers another concussion and and just realizing that that's the only way he knows how to play and then if he he can't really contain that self you know they contain that part of him so um, yeah this is you know this is what's best for him and considering he had this last concussion and that he didn't come back quickly you sort of envision that he wasn't going to go through another off season like he did this this last one preparing for another season and then have it um, you know to, to have even more you know even more risk to himself and even now like we, we don't know like you know I'm sure there's a lot of things that he's gonna have to do to keep a to keep an eye on his you know on his brain and you know and make sure that everything's okay but um, for him to step away now, yeah, I mean, this, like you said, it's not surprising. It's just, uh, um, yeah, like you were, I guess when he when he played when he began this season, like you were like in the back of your mind, like you knew it could play out this way, right? Well, yeah, I mean, every time he was out there, and he took a hit or he dove into a, a scrum, you
3: kind of you kind of cringed. I mean, you just you you just concerned for the guy. I mean, you know, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. You certainly don't want to see anybody get you know major brain injuries. And he suffered several of them. I, I mean, the the visor thing is kind of like the quintessential Shaw, right? I remember talking to him years ago about that. I asked him why don't you wear a visor? Everyone wears a visor. He was he was grandfathered into the rule where since he didn't have one originally, he didn't have to wear one. I am like, I am like, why wouldn't you wear a visor when you see guys, you know, losing eyes and you know, skates and sticks and pucks to the eyes? And he said, I used to wear one in Rockford, and on my very first game, I got into a fight. And during that fight, my head got kind of bent down and the visor gashed a huge cut in his cheek. (laughs) Because just the way the guy shoved his head down, he's like, and I just said, I'm never wearing a visor again after that. I'm like, yeah, but your eyes are more important than your cheeks. He's like, no, I just, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't want to, that's just not, that's just not who I am. And I'm like, let's, and that's Shaw. I mean, uh, he he drove you nuts because, you know, he was, you know thought that way sometimes, but that's how he got to where he was. Like, like he said, he wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the most talented. You know, people keep comparing him to Brandon Hagel. Brandon Hagel skates twice as fast as Andrew Shaw ever did, has way more talent than Andrew Shaw ever did. But Shaw is a major contributor to two Stanley Cup champion teams, scored 20 goals in this league a couple of times because he just wanted it so bad and he worked so hard and he was so willing to put himself at great risk. I mean, we talk all the time about how the Blackhawks can't find a net front presence, big guys like Artem Anisimov, Kirby Doc, Dylan Strom have not been able to do this. Little Andrew Shaw did because he was willing to stand there and take the punishment. He didn't care you were cross-checking him in the back of the head. He didn't care that you were sw- that the goalie was swatting at his legs. He was going to stand there. He was going to stand tall and he was going to get that puck in off his shin pads if it took. And that's what separated him was that that just overwhelming desire to put himself put to put the team before himself. And it was often for for, you know, for worse to his own health. And you, you, you kind of, I don't like that. I respect it, but I hate it. And I, I'm always torn on things like that. Cause you know, the more we learn about brain injuries and, and, and the way that style of play, uh, leads to, to long-term suffering, uh, it's hard to get, the the older I get, the harder it is for me to get excited about guys who play that way. I can respect the hell out of it, and this is no mo- no no knock on Andrew Shaw, but it's harder and harder for me to enjoy that because I just start cringing and thinking about you know what they're doing to
4: themselves and their families. Yeah, there, there's there's a shelf life to the you know, the length you can play for that way. You know, Like he got ten years. That's amazing that he got yeah, ten years. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the fact that he probably played beyond how long he probably should have. You yeah. know, like it's just yeah, playing that way is just it's. Uh, just such a toll on his body you know like it's just it's um but yeah but for him to you know i mean you know 600 games if you include the playoffs and he he played such a role in those two stanley cups and um you know today working on the story talked to mark kelly and then uh you know the the gm who was over at uh, uh the owen sound about uh about how he, you know, just what he was like even then, you know, like back in the day, and 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 what they saw in him to draft him, and and then you know as a fifth round pick, like even then you're you're you know like you're not expected to be anything for him to to have the career he, he did and and make the money he did, and you know I mean for the Blackhawks to to draft him and then reacquire him, and you know how many different second round picks were exchanged for Andrew Shaw between <laughs> between a couple of those those trades, so. Um, yeah, it's it's a heck of a career, and, and, and yeah, you just hope that uh, yeah he stays uh, he stays healthy throughout, and he finds uh, I think the hardest part, and, and it was interesting that he said he talked to the Brent Seabrook about you know having to step away and having your body determine when you're leaving and right. and the difficulty for it, and, and and I I think for those guys especially, it's probably a little bit harder to find that purpose once you leave the game and find what what excites you. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully those guys can figure out what they want to do next.
3: I felt really encouraged by the uh, the the Zoom he had at the start of the season, his first first Zoom at training camp. When he talked, it was really the first time he had talked since the like, in over a year uh, since his concussion. And he was he was eloquent, which is not a word we usually associate with Andrew Shaw. But you know, he had really found perspective in that year away. You know, he's got little kids at home and, and a wife, and a, he's got a big, he's building a house with his dad back up in Ontario. Uh, he had really seemed to have found peace with the idea. He, he knew this was coming. Like he, the, he was basically saying, it's going to, I'm going to have to retire before I want to. But then he goes, now I you know have a year away. I know that I'll be okay. Like I, I was able to experience what that post-hockey career will be like and I'll be okay. And it was really heartening to hear that because A, you, you just, you like to hear a guy who's got his head, who's grounded and, and, and knows that there's more to life than hockey. But B, I felt like he was going to make the right decision when the time came. Like that was him saying, I'm giving this one more chance. But if this happens one more time, I'm out of here and I'm okay with it. And it was really good to hear that in a lot of ways. I mean, We talk about a lot about how Andrew Shaw is like this great quote. He's really not a great quote. He never was. He's, he's, he's great when he's not on camera. He's maybe in a one-on-one conversation, but, uh, he's funny in the room. He's not a great quote. He never was. But this, this version of Andrew Shaw that came back, this older, more mature Shaw, he turned into a great quote. Like he's not just funny, but he's he's got great big picture perspective on life as a hockey player and just life in general. And it's been really, you know, it's weird to say that he's only like what twelve, ten, eleven, twelve years younger than I am. But you know, you kind of look at him. Oh, he grew up. He's not a little kid anymore. He's you know he, he he he's become an adult, which is again not a word you associate with Andrew Shaw all the time. Uh, he's still that. He's still very much his usual immature self. But there's a there's a a, a world weariness to him now that is really kind of heartening to hear like he's going to be okay. I know he's going to be okay, uh, in retirement. I'm sure he'll be around the Hawks. No, no Hawk ever goes away forever as we've learned. Um, but he's just, he seems to be in a good place mentally. And I think he's, if he had to make this decision three or four years ago, it might've been a different story.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And even this year, I think he savored, you know. And I had asked him if he regretted coming back this year, considering that he suffered another concussion, and he said that he he's glad that he did. You know, he I think he savored all those moments when he saw how happy he was on the ice and being in the room, and um, uh, yeah, just you know, playing hockey again, and you know, he had a little bit of success, but just even influencing the young guys and. I think being in that room one last time, it's it's allowed him to step away with a little bit more ease now, too. You know, it was, again, it wasn't on his terms, but in in some ways, a little bit more so than the last time he suffered the concussion. So, um, I guess there's 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 the Andrew Shaw retargeting part, and that's certainly part of the story too. But the other part is that financially, this is there's you know the implications for the Blackhawks, and and you you tie this in with the Seabrook too, and all of a sudden you get ten million dollars next year of you know them going to probably carry in that cap space and that's considering the caps not going up that's always going to be you know it's basically one-eighth your your cap is spent the guys who aren't going to be playing so I I know that Stan Bowman really didn't want to address that today kind of just devoting uh you know that time to Shaw's career but I I feel like that is you know when, when you're talking about the Blackhawks and uh you know it looks like Taves is coming back but you know if he if he doesn't that's 20 million dollars yeah. of the cap space but it's it's a significant chunk and you know like what's What's realistic when you're, you know, they have a lot of young guys on cheap contracts, but it's also like it's, there's that, just that hurdle of, you know, not having enough space.
3: Yeah. I've got, I've had a couple of Canucks fans in my mentions all day, you know, bitching and moaning about how the Hawks are circumventing the cap again. They're mad because they've got a recapture penalty on Roberto Luongo because Roberto Luongo actually did retire uh, before the, that 900 year contract he signed a million years ago. Um, I mean, I, I don't see how you can. You know, I, I know people still think of the Marian Hosa thing as circumventing the cap. I think you pro- you've you proved uh, with your trip to Slovakia that that was a very legitimate thing that that he went through. Um, now when you throw in Seabrook and Shaw. I, I don't know how you could argue against it. Seabrook's body just completely broke down. And Shaw's had probably double-digit concussions in his career. How can you begrudge these guys stepping away? This isn't guys that wanted to leave. Brent Seabrook desperately wanted to come back. Andrew Shaw didn't want to retire at 29. This is the way the rules work. They don't have to retire. They're not going to retire till their contracts are over. And now the Blackhawks have... It's a blessing and a curse. They have this you know long-term injured reserve money to play with, but it's hard to play with long-term injured reserve money. It's not like it just magically appears on their cap. It, it, the way it works, it doesn't give you the off-season flexibility you want. They're not going to go out and sign a $20 million player just because they have $20 million in LTI. Um, so it, I, I understand every fan base is, gets mad when someone gets away with something like that. But uh, this isn't the way the Blackhawks wanted it to go down. I mean, I don't know. Maybe with Seabrook, they kind of did, but this isn't, it certainly isn't the way the players wanted this to go down. This isn't some shenanigans here.
4: Yeah. And, and the fact that Blackhawks aren't willing to use the offseason LTI, like it's, yeah, they're not really looking to take advantage of this, you know, like, the, and they're also not in win now mode. So it's not like they're going to probably tap into this cap space come trade deadline next season. So, and even looking back at the whole, one, like, I, I don't, like, I get the, the what the perception was, but the reality was that hurt the Blackhawks. So, one, they could yeah. have used Hosa for a few more years. Two, that, that contract became a, a pain, you know? Like, they ended up trading Henestrosa away. I mean, Henestrosa probably doesn't, you know, he's not the deciding factor of them not having any success, you know, from for the next few years. But, you know, Henestrosa was part of their future. And, um, yeah, like, they there were challenges like they, they a whole for a whole season. They had Hosa on the books, you know, like it's, um, for that one year. And then they traded away the contract the next year and trade away a young piece. They liked. And you don't um, get better by losing Marion Hosa. That's the basic argument, right? Yeah, there. And, and, and they didn't, it's not like they tapped into the cap space. Yeah. Like it wasn't like they, it, it wasn't until they traded that contract away. So it wasn't until year three that actually had that money. Cause they traded the Hosa contract away so late in year two in the off season that, uh, they'd already spent the money on Brandy Manning and, uh, and Ken Ward and there weren't any, you know, there wasn't anyone else to sign. So for, for two years that, that, that basically that, that restricted what they could do cap wise and they still lost tennis roses. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I guess I, I doesn't see it from that perspective. Like it'd be, it'd be different if, uh, like even if he retired, I don't know what the cap recapture penalty would be. Like, I, I don't think it's like the, the contracts are structured a little bit differently now and he's not making a whole lot. Like it would probably benefit the Blackhawks if he's able to retire rather than, um, then than stay on LTI for the for the next year. Or so, um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I, I I've seen how it's played out now with the team where it's it, it seems like it would make sense, but it it honestly doesn't. It probably doesn't, you know.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
0: You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: Well, let's talk about the present now a little bit. We talked about the past and the future here. the Blackhawks aren't going to make the playoffs this year. I don't know if that's going to break anyone's heart, but, um, I've seen anywhere from 1% to 2.8% are their chances of making the playoffs at this point. They got eight games left. Uh, Nashville and Dallas are, are just basically uncatchable at this point to them. And especially given the, that they got what, Tampa, Carolina, Carolina, Florida, I don't know, they got a whole bunch of hard games coming up. Um, uh, What are we going to see, do you think? I I know what you and I both think we should see these last eight games. It should be as many kids as possible, call up some guys, see what you have, get Gaudette into a major role, see what you have in him before you decide what to do with him. He's an RFA. What do you think we're going to see, though? I still think we're going to see Jeremy Colleton trying to win tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I I think for the next, the fact there's eight games, eight games is still a decent amount. I I think you're going to try to see them win. The fact that the Hans out and the fact that Carpenter's out like it allows them yeah uh, they're, they're gonna play young defensemen still you know I think you expect to see Mitchell or Bodan along with Stillman and uh and Kelnick and Boquist in the lineup tomorrow so you, you probably see four young defensemen I mean I, I would I would think well, I, I guess I mean Strom should probably come back in the lineup before Goddard does <laughs> um and we can probably discuss that too but I, I think until they're mathematically out of it or, or it's even worse you know like uh, who's playing tonight um Dallas playing tonight. They're both playing tonight. Maybe Um, Dallas and Nashville. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, one as the picture gets worse, but I, I think and I also think you'll see Mike Hard Mike Hardman at some point, and You'll probably see more of what we've discussed in our last piece about, you know, playing the young guys and, and seeing seeing what you have. But I think it's still going to be a few games. I think I, I think Carlton probably feels like he Yells is it to the veterans that continue to play this out until uh, the numbers look a little bit different.
3: So Dylan Strom scratched the last two games, the two biggest games of the season, and he was scratched for a seventh defenseman. Yeah. Uh, even, that's, that's, that's quite a message that Jeremy Collison is sending there. I mean, Strom is still signed for next year, but it's starting to look like the Blackhawks don't think too highly of him, it, 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 which is weird to me because I, like, I, I understand it. He's been underperforming, but he's also been put in a position to fail. They've taken him away from his natural position of center and moved him to wing, and they took him away from the player he's had the most success with, Alex Dabrinkit, and just paired him with random guys throughout the year uh, with constantly changing lines. Like,
4: you put a guy in a position to fail, and he fails, you can't get too mad at him for failing. Yeah, like, it's it's weird because, I mean, he was, when we thought he signed, you know, like, it was, he was going to fill in for what Doc and Taze was. He was going mean, to be number one know, center, yeah. Yeah, like, it was, it was going to be him, and then they brought in Soderbergh, and, like, nothing played out as, as expected. Um, i mean you you had a feeling that the Carlton doesn't love you know i mean there was times last year strom played on the wing um you know there's been times where his minutes have been limited um you know he's been taken off the pop top power play unit like it's um you know like the way like it's the yogi too like there was just something that there that Carlton didn't like, you know, like something didn't add up. and
3: I actually spoke to Yoki Haru this week for another story I'm working on. And I and I desperately tried to get him to take the bait on that. And he was just I'm like, like do you ever get a reason why you were fell out of favor? you ever understand why, what happened? He's like, oh, you know, it's in the past. I don't have really have any comment on it. No, I don't really know what happened. It's just, it is what it is. I'm like, oh, damn it. Damn Finns. <sighs> damn hockey
4: players. They're too polite. Was, they're too polite. Um, But... Yeah, I don't know where he fit. Like it is, I don't think his, I don't think his contract's tradable exactly, unless he, unless they expose him in the expansion draft. And it was when I was writing the Riley Stillman piece yesterday, and that was, it was sort of interesting because I, I heard from a source that Blackhawks thinks Zadorov and Stillman are, like, the, there's a possibility they keep them. And if that was the case, I think they ended up going with a four and four maybe on the expansion list, and all of a sudden you're only protecting Kane, Taves, the brinkit and Hagel. and you're exposing a lot of forwards. And, and, and I mean, reality is that that's probably what. That, you know, like, if if you feel that strongly about Stillman and and Zadorov, like, you have a lot of forwards that, yeah, like, you like their potential, you like Borgstrom, you like, uh, you know, who else is in there, Godad and all these guys, but, you know, if you lost them, like, it doesn't change who your team is, so I'm... uh, and, and that's how it kind of feels like Strom now, too, you know, like it's the Strom get a third contract with the, you know, another contract, with the Blackhawks. I I doubt it at this point, it's it, it, it does. It's also strange in that. I mean, you talk about it often, like you look at his individual production, like his numbers, like he produces a lot and he's produced a lot for the Blackhawks since he's been acquired. Um, but he just hasn't found that place. And maybe there's not enough. Strom needs to play with good players you know like Strom creates for other people so if right. he's not playing with with strome without the brinket or Kane or kubalik like there, there's just not enough offensively gifted players on this lineup to maybe make it work and maybe it does next season you know uh you know if um uh, because even, I mean, at times you saw, like, like Doc, Strom, and Dabrinkit, like, I mean, they, they had some plays there, like, wow, that's, like, there's something there, and, and Strom has some magic to him with the, with the puck, it's just, can he do it consistently, can he give it to you enough in the other zones, and he's, learn, he's learning how to play wing where he's always played center, so... Yeah, I I don't know what the future is there. I don't know how that's going to play out. But this uh, that this had to be a tough pill for him to swallow these last two days, considering the biggest games of the year. And you thought you're going to have such a large role on this team, and now you're in, you know you're watching it. This is one of those things
3: where where us not being in the locker room really hinders our ability to get a, a read on the situation. I think you know strom's an open enough guy and available enough guy that like I think if you pulled him aside in the locker room after a practice, he wouldn't flat out say what's on his mind, but he would, he would let you in a little bit. I mean, I've, I've always talked in the past with him. And, um, uh, even when we were talking about this, this, this contract that he just signed that he's on right now, like leading up to that. And, you know, when to got his deal, like, well, why don't you have a deal? And he always gave a very clear, he never said it out loud, but he, a very clear hint that he was so grateful to be in Chicago after what he experienced in Arizona, where he didn't get the opportunity, where he didn't get put with good players, where he just was not appreciated at all, that he wanted to stay here. Like he, he he made he made it sound like I know what I have here and I know that it's not always better somewhere else. So I would take less to stay here. Like that's where he his head was at. Does that change after a year like this? And if next year is similar and, and, and he's not getting the role he wants, does he want that third contract with the Blackhawks? Is he willing? Because you know, you're gonna need him, you're gonna need everybody to take discounts from here on out for the next couple of years. Nobody's gonna get the money they think they deserve. But would he be, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go try to start, some, start fresh somewhere else. I have no idea where his head's at because I'm not talking to him every day. And uh, I, I'm curious, though, because he's a guy who really, really likes it here. Like more than most, he is grateful for what he's he, – he, his career was resurrected here. He was a bust, uh, uh, you know, taken after McDavid and Eichel, and he, he was a bust. And he resurrected here and given a chance and partnered with his best friend and all that. I wonder where his mind really is at these days. And uh I, I just don't know because we're not in there every day.
4: Yeah, I, I just can't imagine that it's in a good place right now. Like, right. No, like could the, it be? it's one thing when you're not playing much or, or anything, but when you're healthy you scratched in big games and it's not even for another forward, like they it's just, for a they just decided they decided to go with the defenseman to kind of protect themselves and um yeah, I, I yeah, we'll see when he gets back. I mean he I, there's I'm sure he's motivated and driven and um it, <sighs> Yeah, and, and I guess I was just thinking back to those national games. I was trying to think how they played out. With they they won one with him. Well, they won the first one with him. They made that comeback. Miracle in the comeback. Second. Yeah, yeah. It's it just it's a team that they struggled with offensively, and and they took out Strom. Like it didn't exactly. I mean, Strom is
3: probably what your your he's in your top five in terms of just offensive talents on this team. Yeah, it's Kane. It's Debrinket. It's Kubalik. I'd probably put Strom ahead of Doc at this point. So there's your offensive power, and you sit him for a seventh defenseman who's going to play eight minutes. I mean, if that's not sending a message that you're not welcome here, I don't know what is.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see it. We'll see how they, they, the lineup looks in the next few games. And, you know, with, with Carmen out, you would think Strom was back in, and, um, and then with still, I, you know, I guess we can turn to talk to still about Stillman's contract a little bit too, because I think there's significance to that, and it's a three-year deal with the one. It wasn't just like a really cheap cap hit. It's enough for him to say that yeah, we think he's going to be in the initial lineup, and it, it does change what happens to them with the expansion draft, and then um, you know potentially Zadorov Zdor- or even their defenseman, because I I still think they need to figure out a way to get you need some elite defensemen in your lineup, and I think Stillman can be a piece, but I don't think he's the, a, the piece still, you know, like they need, like at some point that they need some of these young defensemen to become elite defensemen. Cause I don't, I'm not sure this group yet has what they
2: Terms and restrictions apply.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you think back to when the Hawks were great. It was Duncan Heath. He was the engine that just drove the entire offense. Like, all those great offensive talents, it, it started on the back end with Duncan Keith. And uh, you look around the league, and the teams that are good have rock stars at number one defenseman. You, the Blackhawks right now don't have that. I mean, you look at you know, look at a team like Vegas. Vegas has no centers. Chandler Stevenson is their number one center. It, it, they go against everything we've been told about hockey that you have to start start down the middle, but they've got great wings, they've got great defense, and they've got great goalies. So they're a donut, but it doesn't matter because, you know, that it works elsewhere. You need to, There's very few examples of great teams without number one defenseman. You know, Colorado's got a bunch of them. You got Kale McCarr is on the rise. Uh, all around the league, it's like that. I don't know if the Blackhawks have one. They don't, you know, Connor Murphy's the best defenseman on this team. He's not a number one defenseman. He's he's much more in that, you know, Jomerson Oduya mode where he'd be a great number two pairing who, you know, who shuts things down and lets the first pair run wild. Adam Boquist, I don't know if he's ever going to get there. He's still young. Uh Ian Mitchell, I mean, he hit the wall hard, and you know, we're still waiting for him to get his second chance. Uh Wyatt kalanick has been very impressive. I don't know if he's at that level, but he's been the best rookie defenseman the Blackhawks have played this year. I think that's uh, uh, pretty clear. Again, small sample size, so he's not going to hit the wall because he got a late start. But uh, he's promising. I don't know if he's that promising. Uh, They've got a lot of pretty good NHL defensemen. I don't know if they have a single great one anymore, and that's problematic.
4: Now that and that's what they need to figure out. It's because it's even going into next season. Like, are you going to roll out these same defensemen and, and hope some take that next step? Because even now, like toward the end of the season, we saw it became it's become more challenging for Colton to get like you have enough veterans there like it, you're just not gonna probably sit at Dahan or Zador. like he said De- to Zdor- off once you know Dahan's been hi- injured but w- when everyone's healthy they've preferred the veterans of yeah. the young players like you you've been able to he's been willing to play a couple young defensemen together but not you know not he played four of them the other day and part of it was because they had a seventh defenseman too so um yeah, I mean, if they go out of the race here, you know, these next few games, I wonder if that, you know, just give that a look a little bit more. Maybe sit some of these young guys and, or sit some of these older guys and, and roll the young guys out there. Um, but I, I think that's, a, I think this offseason is going to be interesting because I think Zidarov's a very, it'll uh, be interesting decision. Well, he's them. the what X Factor, right? Whatever, yeah. whatever
3: they do with Zidarov is going to dictate how this goes. If they bring him back, then they're not going to have that, you know, give everyone, uh, all those young kids a chance next year. If they let him walk, that's a big admission. Of, again, another admission of failure in that you traded away Brandon Sod, a valuable top six forward, and got very little for him. It would be the, you know, people, as people love to say, Stan Bowman's lost three Brandon Sod trades. Uh, it's, it, you would have lost Sod anyway. Obviously, you wouldn't be able to re sign him next year, but you should have been able to get something. A, a long-term piece for him. They thought Zadorov was going to be that long-term piece and the, the the longer we go here that Stillman contract to me that sends a signal that they are prepared at least for the possibility of not having Zadorov on this team next year depending on what his ask is going to be. Yeah. Um which which is a big which is a big a big step to take because adamant, they've been adamant all year that Zadorov was the guy that they really liked him that he was going to be something big. He's 25 26 years old. He is what he is. He is Good at one thing and bad at another thing, and he's not going to be a linchpin of your your blue line for years to come.
4: What what I've heard is that there's still a disconnect from GMs and agents in the cap. Like they, like, I I think agents are all telling their players we're going to get you money, and right, like it's, it's some players just aren't going to get money. You know, like there's certainly guys like Kajula and Cuckoo who got squeezed last year, but I I think those that middle tier player is gonna it's gonna become a little bit harder too. Like Zadorov going on his next contract. Like he's he's only seen his, you know, his salary increase. And you know, he's thinking payday here. Um and I don't I don't you know like it's he doesn't produce enough points to you know justify it probably you know like even as an arbitrator like they're I'm sure they can call it with some set, you know some comparables for what he can make but in a flat cap world like I just it's hard to pay us that draw five million dollars
3: well that's just it is an arbitrator going to take into account the flat cap? And say these are extenuating circumstances, or are you going to go, you know, look at your comparables and say, well, this is what he deserves. This is what the market says he deserves. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns here. You know, the players want their money. It's it, it's like it, it's like the economy at large. The middle class is disappearing. You're going to have you, you know your Connor McDavid. You're going to be making your ten figure uh, contracts, and the guys in the middle those. The guys that you used to get for 2 or $3 million, your Dylan Strome's, your Nikita Zdorovs, they're going to get squeezed. They're, you know, the entry-level guys will always be valuable. Guys that can be signed like a Riley Stillman for like $1.2, $1.3, they're going to be valuable. It's those middle-tier guys. We're seeing them disappear. There aren't that many $3 million guys left because they all either graduated to fabulous wealth or they've been squeezed down to signing for $950,000 on a PTO. Uh, yeah. that's, that I, I'm really curious that this, this off season is going to be fascinating because it's going to be compressed, you know, where I think we're at the end of July is when free agency starts. That's like five weeks before the season's going to start. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to let these guys twist in the wind for too long. And what the arbitrators think and what agents think and what players think and what GMs think, none of them might be on the same page.
4: It, it might be like last season too, where there's the last off season where everything happens on one day and then everyone else waits. And, right. right and Watch well, usually. Themselves. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Uh so we have some uh some emails here today. Um first one from Brandon Berger. I was looking at a list of prospects for the Hawks recently to get an idea of what y- other younger, youngish prospects they have rights to and came across Aidsel, uh Victor Aidsel. Victor Aidsel, who had a very short stint in North America and was probably unlucky that it timed up with a coaching change and a win now mindset for management. My question is what chances are here there? That he gets another look at the NHL. He has the size the Hawks have been looking for in recent years and is only 25 years old. Uh, or will he be the next Shaluma for Scott if Shalunov signs with, with the Hawks this summer? Uh, I From everything I heard, the aid is basically out of the picture. Like he, uh, The Blackhawks wanted him to sign even the year that he left. And he decided he wanted to go back to Sweden. Uh I think a year in Rockford didn't make him too happy. And then, uh, and, and then he was struggling. Like he just, he wasn't, you know, the Blackhawks gave him a look that first year. And, um, you know, he's just, his skating isn't great. His his production isn't consistently enough. Even, I, I, you know, I follow him in the SHL this season and, and, and he's a good player, but he's not a great player. Um, I, I think that window's missed. And it, it, for him to come over again and probably not be a definitive player, like if Shalunov comes over, like it's, uh, he's an NHL player he's going back to the KHL. Um Aidzel, I, I don't I don't even know if that's you know, I, I I think he'd have to work and work his way back up again. So I don't um I don't imagine Aidsel's in their plans. For Shalunov, I've actually heard that the Blackhawks are interested in it and when it comes down to is uh, it comes down to a contract. If like Shalunov wants three million dollars, then the Blackhawks can be like, no, nah, you know, but if he, if he, if, uh, if he comes in, he's willing to take a million, you know, maybe a little bit more. Well, that's us think he can uh, make more
3: in the KHL. That's a decision. A lot of these guys have to make sometimes. Yeah,
4: so I, I think the thing is, you know, it'll probably be a one-year deal. Like it's low risk for the Blackhawks. They, um, you know, th- they're going to present an opportunity and they've been pretty good when they presented opportunities to players like him, to play, you know, give those chances and, you know, Shalunov can get become a UFA right away. So if, uh, if it means making a little bit less money in the NHL one year, it could lead to more money if he's producing. You know, he's he's certainly older at twenty eight, twenty nine now that it's uh, uh, you know like his his NHL window is pretty short. But it'll uh, yeah, so I, I think there's a chance we'll we'll see what uh, what comes. To fruition Scott, here. I
3: got I got my weekly email from the KHL and Max Shalunov is suspended for Game Five of the Gagarin Cup final today. Is Max Shalunov a dirty player?
4: <laughs> he, he was pretty dirty in the uh, the hit. He gave the uh, the guy a little bit of an elbow when he was going by, and uh, yeah, so he was suspended for this game. And I think his team's now down three to two. They kind of he was out for most of the game last game, and he missed the entire game this game. They've lost both games, so they they do miss uh, they do miss Max. So, all
3: right, we got uh, one more uh, uh, we, we another email about the uh, LTIR space with Shaw quote unquote retiring. I think we touched on that, so. Uh, we have a story, a story from Luke Matthew.
4: Yeah. Drew Weller, thank you for the email anyways. Yes, thank the, you, Drew. Uh, we, we definitely encourage the uh, the email. So. Yes, yeah,
3: so I don't mean to be dismissive, but that's kind of how I am. <laughs> Luke Matthew had a quick Andrew Shaw story. During the lockout year in 2013, he spent the first part of the year in Rockford because he was still on his entry-level contract. I played hockey at that time through the Rockford Park District, and they partnered with the Ice Hogs to have players come out and help kids with camps. We went to a camp on Wednesday, and I think for three hours that night, Uh, two ice hogs that night were Adam Clendenning and Andrew Shaw. At the end, we played five on five and Shaw was acting as a referee. I went to the front of the net one time and stood in the crease by the goalie. He skated over to me, wrapped his arm around my neck and said, do you know the rules of hockey, little guy? And promptly dropped his gloves. I naturally did as well, and we messed around, tangling each other up for 10 seconds. Once it was over, he patted me on the back and said, good scrap, kid. I enjoyed every second of it. Just shows you the down-to-earth type of guy Shaw was to come out and help 8-year-olds skate around and make someone's day. Who knew that he'd be on the ice to win a Stanley Cup five months later? Anyway, he's a great guy and a player that embodies the Blackhawks and will sorely be missed. I mean, he's certainly... that's. Thank you for the, uh, the story, Luke. Uh, that's Shaw. I mean, Shaw is... He's always going to be a fan favorite. He's always going to be beloved in, in in hindsight. He's kind of like Dave Boland in that way. And, you know, a lot of these guys that have come through here and played that kind of irascible, agitating role. Everybody loves the agitator. You hate him when he's on someone else's team. You love him when he's on yours. Um I mean, Shaw is destined to go down as an all-time fan favorite. You're going to see 65s in the United Center crowd for decades to come.
4: If you'd like to send us a voicemail or an email, you can email us at lasandpowers at gmail.com or you can call us at 714-759-4529. Um, yeah, we got another week of games here and then, uh, wow, it's only eight, are oh, they five more home games and then three on the road and that's yeah, it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I got a story coming tomorrow, uh, about Vinny Hinestroza where, uh, he throws some serious shade at Joel Quenville. I gotta say, it was a little interesting to hear him talk about that, um, about how, uh, how he was treated in Florida. So look out for that. We've got a bunch of other things in the works. Um, who knows in a week from week or two from now, we'll probably have another, uh, uh, core guy dirt story to write seems like there's been a lot of those lately from Corey Crawford to Seabrook to Shaw uh doesn't sound like Taves will be next that's excellent news uh good to hear that he's uh, recovering and uh on track to play next season but uh the times they are becoming quite different and uh these aren't your uh older brothers blackhawks anymore
4: no i'm going to go i'm going to look for that tweet see if i can find that Yes. Uh, 2011 tweet see if i my uh, probably my first my first hockey tweet ever
3: i'm trying to uh, i'm trying to picture Scott Powers on twitter unleashed you're so uh, you're so reined in and and, and, and uh, yeah, responsible it's not, it's and mature. It's not worth
4: it anymore, yeah. I uh, oh, I don't, I, know. I, don't
3: I don't know what you're talking about. Twitter's so pleasant all the time.
4: <laughs> uh, that is Mark Lazarus and I am Scott Powers and this is Lazarus Powers and we'll talk to you soon. And I
1: know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?